Hey, this is the Last Coffee House. We're talking about books. More books. Love the books. It is Christmas Eve, the day before the supposed but obviously not birth of Jesus Christ himself. And we are talking about, in celebration, a book about business. <laughs> Sorry, I should have gotten something more apt. I didn't plan this out properly. <laughs> this is called Good to Great. It's about it's by Jim C. Collins. It was published in 2001 originally. It's since been updated. There have been a, a few updates to it. But the guy sought through five years of research try to figure out what differentiated the good companies versus the great companies. So you, him and his team of researchers just tried to isolate what are the factors that led these companies to get beyond that level of they're just pretty good all the way to great, to the greatest companies, the best of the best. I think there were 12 total that he was really looking at. And to do this, his whole methodology was he would take the companies that are great and compare have comparison companies that didn't get over that hump. Now, if you're wondering... I mean, there are a whole bunch of metrics when it came to deciding which companies were great and which ones were not. And I'll get into some criticism of the methodology. But there are some, to some degree, I really like these kind of axiomatic ideas about what makes great companies. And it could just be intuitive. You know, it's not necessarily the case that it was demonstrated that these are the things that lead to great companies. But still, I think they're they're pretty good axioms. So the characteristics there are, what are they, like seven of them? Number one is level five leadership. So you need people who reach level five and there's a lot of kind of talk about this and it definitely kind of flutters in between the whole like self-help book or rich dad poor dad kind of thing where it's like you don't really know if you're actually learning anything <laughs> or if anything is really going to help you but like i said i like some of these axioms uh level five leadership is somebody who exhibits humility and doesn't make it all about them makes it about the success of the company and i think as part of this was one of my favorite things that i just i've thought about many times since i read this book now it's the idea of the window and the mirror and level five leaders when they think about things that go really well or the the success and the reasons for success, they look through a window and they say, okay, it's all those things out there. It's all those factors out there, all the other people that helped me, all the advantages I had, all that sort of stuff. And I'm thankful for all those things that were there and all the people who helped push me along and get me to this place. When they look at things that are bad or at fault, they look in a mirror and they say, okay, this is on you. You need to figure this out and try to do better. This is an idea that uh, really, it's something that you know people might think about just generally or intuitively, but desperately don't want to do. <laughs> they don't want to be self-effacing and blame things on themselves. It's a coping mechanism for we, you know, feeble primates. But I really think it's something that's resonated and it's an easy way to visualize the way this should work. Is that you really, because you have control over yourself, that's what you focus on and try to make better. So that's, that's the first characteristic. Level 5 leadership. Second characteristic is the first who, then what. So he talked a lot about getting the right people first, then figure out what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> which seems counterintuitive. And again, I don't know how much explanatory power scientifically these actually have, but still, it's a nice axiom. You find people that you like being around, who work hard, who are excellent people, and then you figure out what you're going to do with the company or what kind of company you're going to make or whatever. As a business owner myself, who <laughs> specifically wanted to do it so we didn't have to deal with people, it's difficult to put into practice, but it definitely makes sense and it's probably something that's going to be more effective if I had thought about it in those terms is going and finding the people who I like being around and who are going to work out and then figure out what you're going to do with those people. He talks about the bus as a metaphor. Get the right people on the bus and get the right wrong people off the bus. Not like get the wrong people. Get the right people off the bus too. So, sorry. <laughs> it's just, you want to have the right people on the bus. So that means anybody who shouldn't be on the bus, get them off the bus. And that was an important thing that he said too was you don't retain people who don't work. You just cut it there 
there and move on. Number three is confront brutal facts. So he brings in, there are a lot of examples here that he uses, and I should have been more meticulous in, in making note of the specific companies that he was talking about, but I was not. So <laughs> just have to deal with it now. But this one I did, it was A&P versus Kroger. And I think it was, wait, which one? A&P was the one. So they both tested the Superstore concept, but one of them decided not to go with it because they were just, had this bias towards what they had been doing instead of realizing the brutal fact that they needed to completely change their business and how it functioned. And this happened in a few different areas. Like some of them, they were like, they were lasting on this one type of business for, you know, 50 or 100 years or something like that. And they just suddenly, now they have to change the whole thing over. And others had ideas like, I think it was Walgreens. They just tried to make sure they were increasing. They focused on increasing value per customer or like profit per customer that came into the store. And they definitely did a lot of changing. I forget what, what they like. They were like a restaurant or something. At, I, don't, I don't remember. But uh, they changed dramatically to, to fit with what the data was saying. It brings up Churchill too. How Churchill created a uh, statistics division and just dispassionately took the numbers in and said, okay, we're going to act based on these numbers. Uh, one of the big ones, number four, is hedgehog concept. And it comes with three overlapping circles that you have to put together and get in the center of that thing. It's what lights your fire, what could you be best in the world at, and what makes you money. So if you can get those concentric circles to overlap with each other, then that's that's your hedgehog concept. That's what you need to focus on and take that you know to the next level to be a great company. And one of the big things that he came down to was it takes a lot of time, a lot of work, and a lot of effort, and a lot of money to try to get to your hedgehog concept and figure out what's simple enough to work so well it's going to last you know decades and it's going to last beyond whoever happens to be in charge at the time. Now that was another thing because he talked about how the individual you'll have like major CEOs you know major individuals who lead companies to incredible prosperity and when they go the company just falters and fails because it was really just built on their personality and so great companies don't do that great companies are built beyond that and and it has the level five kind of leader instead of level four who d deals in humility and tries to build something greater than themselves. And number five is the culture of discipline. This is relatively self-explanatory. It's just discipline <laughs> being on top of things. Then technological accelerators. I can't remember the details or specifics that he used in this section. I think there's, oh yeah, it was, it was something about, it wasn't, was it Walgreens? It was somewhere where he was talking about how they spent millions and millions just to revolutionize the way that they inventoried stuff. And so they built this whole inventory system and and there was a lot of effort and a lot of people said it was a waste of money or whatever but it worked out in the end and then there's the flywheel so an important idea about the flywheel like i said axioms is that it's not about just the one push that gets you to great it's it's the all the tiny pushes that accumulate over time to get the flywheel really spinning and he contrasted this with the what was it doom spiral <laughs> all the terminology in these things so the flywheel versus like the doom spiral or something the doom loop i think is what he called it uh, where you're just heading down <laughs> into oblivion versus the flywheel that accumulates momentum and keeps going going faster and faster until you get there and then you can keep it going and that's one of the big things about these companies is that they're able to not just get there but keep it there and keep it going uh one final yeah well, there's just one idea about how the stop doing list is more important than the to-do list so the things that you should stop doing <laughs> You should figure those out earlier and get those established. Then you should worry about your to-do list. So what's some of the criticism talked about how how it's not especially informative, how certainly a number of companies have struggled that were supposed to be these great companies. A number of companies have struggled since the book came out. I mean, go try to, you know, buy a TV at a circuit city right now, which is one of the companies. <laughs> 
So that's a criticism. I know that I think the author responded to these criticisms and said something about how, no, they were at the time, though. And it's just they changed their, you know, culture. They changed how they did things or something like that. So that's how they... It's a little tough to hold somebody to that kind of a standard over all of history that these companies need to survive and flourish no matter the circumstances. But it's also a somewhat valid criticism if the great companies aren't even around now. (laughs) But this is also, you know, this is around the turn of the century and a lot of things have happened since then. And it's a little difficult to expect these giant machines, you know, these ocean liners to be able to slalom through the icebergs of the 21st century, especially with human beings the way that they are. So, like I said, my analysis had a number of good principles, a number of good axioms. I'm going to remember a number of them really well because this guy's a really good communicator. He communicates the ideas really well. It was just, it was really easy to follow what he was saying and what he was trying to get across. Like I said, whether it's rigorous scientifically, I don't know if I can say that. He interviewed, I think there were like hundreds of hours of interviews with a bunch of CEOs to talk about these companies. But still, I don't know how scientifically rigorous all this stuff is or how meaningful it's actually going to be when you apply the data. But I think these are good axioms to live by. So that's my take. I hope everybody's having a good Christmas Eve or whatever you happen to do on Christmas Eve. Anybody's going to be at a Chinese restaurant tomorrow. <laughs> then I I see you. I've definitely been there. And otherwise, I don't know whether I'm doing anything special for, you know, like a Christmas. I love Christmas. It's it's great. It just doesn't mean the same thing it did when you were a kid. You know, when you were a kid, it was so exciting. And now it's just like, ah, whatever. (laughs) So uh, try to do something fun. But anyway, enjoy the families. Don't listen to, what was it? Bernie's election team or something like that. His campaign put out this how to convince your family to vote for Bernie Sanders thing. And oh, you just leave it aside just leave it aside just don't even do it don't talk about it. that's what thanksgiving's for <laughs> the political talk that destroys families christmas is for coming together and celebrating capitalism that's what it's about so i hope all is well i'll definitely see you on the next one all right bye <laughs>